0: And today's podcast is brought to you in part by Petzl. Today's Petzl running strategy is brought to us by our favorite nutritionist, Sunny Blende. What do you have for us, Sunny?
1: A way to keep you from spiking your sugar as much. So if you are eating something gooey and sugary and you don't want a big spike from it, you can combine it with three different things, fiber, protein, or fat. Fiber's free, no calories. Protein's the next best thing, but the last thing also is fat. All three of those will keep you from spiking your blood sugar as much as just sugar alone.
0: So does that mean that that bacon donut <laughs> is good for me? I
2: could have that donut uh, with bacon on top? Probably neither
1: one are good, but they're probably better in combination.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. If, if, if you want to be able to see well on the trail and see Scott huddled over in an aid station eating a donut wrapped in bacon, you'll need a... A uh, Petzl headlamp, so he <laughs> cannot hide from you. <laughs> yeah. So go, go, go grab, the, uh,
0: Petzl has, uh, of course, our favorite headlamp, the Now, and it has the new uh, junior model. I'll call it the junior model. All I don't right. think they call it the junior no, model. I'll no. call it the junior model. The uh, Tika RXP, I believe it's called. Still has the reactive lighting technology.
2: And rechargeable, which I love, Scott, yep. because my battery is charged every time I'm out there, and I'm not on a half battery. I love it. I feel like the richest man in the world. <laughs> so go out to Petzl.com and check out their head torches. This podcast brought to you by VASC, and we're doing the VASC course and review. Scott? Today's course and review is what? Sean O'Brien, and we're going to bring on Jimmy Dean Freeman to talk about it. I've never heard of Sean O'Brien. Well, well you're about to. You're about to learn, and that's why we're doing this course and review. Jimmy Dean, welcome. What's up, fellas? Hey, Jimmy, we're going to put you in a vasque shoe. We're going to put you in the Mindbender. Let me tell you a little bit about the Mindbender as it is a warrior on the trail. It's it's stability, gives you stability, and it's agile, weighs 11 point ounces, performs fantastic. It allows you to get the traction you need and the speed you require to finish this Sean O'Brien rapid-fire question. Are you ready, Jimmy Dean? Did you pick that shoe for me? It sounds well, like it's named after me, the, the mindbender. Mindbender. You know, if there ever was a shoe that that needed a name to run the trail, I would think that Mindbender would be it. I like it. Brilliant work, fellas. Okay, Ooh. let me get
0: let me get the timer set.
2: Lace them up tight. And as you know, Jimmy Dean, as rapid fire, we may just interrupt your response and move on to the next one because it's critical that we make cutoff time.
3: Are you suggesting that I'm long winded? <laughs> you we, we would never do that to your face. <laughs> I face All right. it there.
2: Let's do this. Okay. Let's get this started. You going to start? Jimmy Dean. Yo, Wait,
0: wait. Tell me when to say go.
2: Oh. Ready? Set? Go. Jimmy Dean, where is this race, this Sean O'Brien 50?
3: It is in the greater Los Angeles area in the middle of the Santa Monica Mountain Range. What is the elevation profile? Brutal. It's got uh, three (laughs) to four major climbs, somewhere between 11,000 and 14,000 feet
2: of cumulative ascent. It, it, that's on the 50 miles are there different distances available for this race
3: yeah there's a 50k and a marathon distance and both the 50k and marathon are tough for their categories
2: jimmy dean how much trail versus pavement on the sean o'brien
3: uh there is approximately uh, hundred meters of pavement total in 50 miles what time of year is this race being run and
0: what can you expect the, the temperatures to be
3: It will generally be held annually on Super Bowl weekend uh, this year, Saturday, February 1st. And uh, temperatures in L.A. around that time can be all over the map. We might get rain. We might get uh, 75 degrees. What
2: kind of trail markings do we expect to have, Jimmy Dean? Uh, It's a Kira Henninger
3: race. This thing will be marked like an SOB. How many, (laughs) how how frequent? Like Sean O'Brien? Good. How how frequent are the aid stations? The aid stations are generally every four to seven miles, and they're well-stocked.
2: Is there a segment of this race that stands out to you that would make you say, man, when I see Sean O'Brien, I think of this? Uh, The
3: brutal climbs and descents that are back-to-back. Do you anticipate any kind of mental challenges on this race? Where would you expect it? Uh, around mile 23, you hit the lowest point uh, elevation-wise on the course at about uh, 25 feet of elevation. And you have a 20-mile stretch of probably two-thirds climbing, one-third flat to get to mile 43. I imagine that's going to be a really tough 20 miles. W-
2: would you recommend this to an enemy or a friend? Uh, enemies and frenemies. <laughs> nice. Jimmy Dean, you finished, you finished the questions with ample time left over. You, you could pass that finish line, turn around, and encourage other people to, to make it in time.
0: If, if someone wants to run this race this weekend, on February 1st of this weekend, how can they get in? Where do they find the information, and how do they register?
3: They need to get into a time machine and travel back in time before the race <laughs> is sold out. Oh. Otherwise... They can look for the I Run Far coverage on it this weekend. Uh, Brian Powell will be covering the race, and it will be a highly sought-after Montreal Ultra Cup race in 2015.
2: I am positive of that. Jimmy Dean, uh, you performed well. How did, how did you think the uh, Mindbender felt on this uh, cruise through Sean O'Brien?
3: I think I need to wear the Mindbender so I can break my 10-hour uh, goal tomorrow. <laughs> right on. Hey, thank you, Jimmy Dean, and have a great race out there. Take it easy, fellas. Hopefully, uh, I'm in one piece after all this thing.
2: Are we recording? Face. Hey, give me a little uh, one, two. One, two. One, three, four, five, six, check.
1: I'm not nervous, I got this. Let's just do it.
2: I'm, I'm stretching my groin. And action. Welcome to another edition of Rider Nation. I'm Don Freeman.
1: I'm Faith Goss.
2: And I'm Scott War. And today we
0: have fitness guru and amazing athlete Ben Greenfield. If you haven't heard of his name, you probably should have. You're not listening to enough podcasts or searching the internet enough. Um, well, or you, you just don't care about your fitness. <laughs> you just don't <laughs> care. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, Ben, uh, you know, I, I've... I've First ran across Ben um, listening to Endurance Planet, which is a been a podcast that's been out there for a very long time. Good website, good good information. And um, only recently, probably in the last couple months, I came across another podcast called The Get Fit Guy, mm. and it's an, another podcast that Ben does. That's just little tiny nuggets of fitness information. They're probably eight to at the longest fifteen minutes. Yeah. And just yeah, that's it. and and so that's that's where I got and just really good nuggets and so I thought you know what Ben is is totally um, our kind of nation guy mm-hmm. and reached out and he was more than uh, happy to to join us even though we're 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 pushing his schedule here because he's a busy guy he has like a bunch of different mm-hmm. uh, websites. Um,
4: there's actually um, You're not pushing my schedule. I just feel way outnumbered. You have three <laughs> people on your end. And I only have one on mine. <laughs> so there's there's a bunch of
0: different websites that you can look at, and we'll list all these on the podcast description. There's the uh, Pacific Elite Fitness, Endurance Planet, Rockstar, Triathlete Academy, Superhuman Coach Network, and of course Ben Green, uh, Greenfield Fitness, as well as the uh the quick and dirty which is the the get fit. Uh, quick, or get fit guy website.
2: Hey, hey Ben! Before we get started, just to even things up, we're going to give you Faith on, uh, as uh, on your on your side. So now <laughs> we're evened up because she's a triathlete type gal, and we're just only alone. Faith, You're, you'll come right back as soon as we're done with the podcast. All right, so it's two and two. <laughs> well, Let's the, get rolling. The, the, the other thing that we need to make sure
0: is you know that the, our audience knows if they don't know Ben very well, he is a a a, a triathlete. He holds ranking is a, a top ranking in his age group. Um, with uh, usat and here's the the big uh creme de la creme in uh 2013 last uh, last fall he was voted as one of the top 100 most influential individuals in health
4: and fitness
2: congratulations ben well, welcome to thanks. the podcast
4: thanks that's that's quite the intro and thank thank you for giving me faith i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> you're on well, my team now <laughs> faith kick us off with the question
1: I, am, I want to get right into this, um, especially because I just finished my morning workout and I want to know a little bit about cold thermogenesis and specifically about fasting because I'm really hungry right now. <laughs> so those are the two things that come to my mind. Um, talk about your morning ritual uh, that involves something called cold thermogenesis. First of all, what is that? Well,
4: cold thermogenesis is a, a, a really fancy title for basically um, freezing your ass off. If I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, but but uh, what cold thermogenesis does is when you expose your body to uh, fluctuations in temperature, and specifically it works really well with, uh, with water versus ambient air, is you, you get a release of something called nitric oxide synthase, and nitric oxide synthase is responsible for vasodilating blood vessels. It's kind of like, you know, you think of it as like Viagra, but for your whole body. And what that does is it enhances glucose and nutrient delivery to working tissues. And it can also do some cool things like upregulate lipolysis or, or breakdown of fatty acids. Um, it's been shown to to kind of simulate this mTOR pathway. I don't know if you've heard of that before, but it's a protein that you find in humans, and when you inhibit that pathway, it can increase cell longevity. So it might have a little bit of like a like a life extending type of effect. Um, it increases the activation of a specific hormone called uh, adenopectin and that's that's a hormone that gets released during cold exposure that breaks down fat and also shuttles glucose into muscles. So there's a lot of cool effects from that standpoint. And then also, like if you look at one of these guys who's like a polar swimmer or girls who's like a polar swimmer, they look like a little bit thick, a little bit fat. Mm -hmm. That's because they have a lot of brown adipose tissue. And brown adipose tissue is a special kind of fat tissue that basically burns calories to generate heat. And so what you do when you add brown adipose tissue is you upregulate your metabolism and you take any calories, you know, let's say from the the giant pizza you had the night before – and you turn all that into heat rather than into, say, storage fat. Now, the reason that, that like, polar swimmers are thick and kind of, in some cases, pudgy is because they go out of their way to eat thousands and thousands and thousands of calories so that they stay warm. But for the average person, if you combine cold thermogenesis with you know, caloric moderation, you get a really nice effect in terms of making it way easier to stay lean. So there are some other cool things, too, that happen, like um, increase in, in the release of brain-derived neurotropic factor, which helps you to stay smarter and a little bit more productive during the day. So the way I do it is I just basically have this this rule that I have for myself that I rarely touch the the hot water side of the of the shower when I'm in it. Like I just try and take a cold water shower all the time. Like there's this one – shower head at my YMCA where I work out and it's the cold shower like it's super duper cold and I swear I'm the only person in there it seems like whoever goes <laughs> near that and pushes that button and I get all these weird looks because I'm the that, guy in the corner covered in goosebumps Ben um, that's because that that shower head is broken <laughs> <laughs> you know it might be broken but I, I think I think they actually have it there is like a like a cold shower I don't know but either way I'm not saying anything because I don't want them to get rid of it um, but yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of cool benefits for cold thermogenesis and it does help with sports performance because of that vasodilation effect. And also, and I didn't mention this yet, but you get a, you get a decrease in cytokines and in inflammatory molecules mm-hmm. when you do cold water. And and that's why people do cold soaks and stuff. The issue with that is that they're really uncomfortable and, you know, cold shower is just like in and out, bada boom, bada bing, you're done. You get a lot of that effect. Whereas like a cold soak, you got to put ice in the bathtub and go in there and grit your teeth and freeze and feel horrible for 20 minutes and then get out. I think a cold shower is a lot more tolerable. I think, you know, Ray Cronice, the NASA materials engineer who who introduced me to this, he does what he calls shiver walks where he covers up his hands and his feet And goes out and does a walk in the cold weather. And when you cover up your hands and your feet, what that does is it keeps your body from down-regulating your metabolism, which it would normally do if those areas got cold, your hands and your feet and your crotch. Um, So most of us wear underwear when we're walking outside in the cold, I would hope. Um, But you would also wear, like, gloves. You'd wear, you know, some nice wool socks. You'd cover up your head. And he does that. He calls them shiver walks, but that's another strategy that he uses to to decrease body fat or to kind of get some of these benefits of, of cold thermogenesis. But it's kind of cool, you know. The, and and for me, what works best with my lifestyle, just because I'm pretty busy, is just like cold shower whenever I'm gonna take a shower, and that's it.
0: So when you when you are in the morning taking your your
4: shower, I mean, how long are you in
0: there? For a couple minutes, in and out. So um,
4: I, I kind of cheat because I, honestly, like, I'm not trying to lose fat. Like, I, I don't really struggle with weight issues. Like, with some of my clients who I use cold thermogenesis for, for fat loss, we do five minutes. So what they do is 20 seconds of cold followed by 10 seconds of warm. That's called a hot-cold contrast. And you get even more nitric oxide released when you do that. So they do that 10 times through. So it lasts for a total of five minutes. And I have them do that at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. Um, For me personally, usually it's closer to like two minutes that I'm in there um, and I just turn it as cold as possible and just stand there for two minutes, take my shower and usually um, with my frequency of working out, uh, I'll usually be showering in the morning, showering in the afternoon after my workout and then if I need a quick pick me up during the middle of the day, like kind of a brain wake up rather than a strong cup of coffee, I'll hop into the cold shower real quick. Um, So those are some of the ways.
1: Does um if you do this before a workout and then do your workout, does it change the effects at all, or is it like you, you know,
4: know like- it'll it'll help a little bit with recovery, not not massively. Like I'm not going to pretend that it's going to be like say not starving yourself or maybe doing some foam rolling or doing a good cool down after workout, but it could certainly help a little bit with soreness and recovery. Especially if you work out in the night, it helps with sleep because. You sleep better when your body's core temperature is lower. You're, you get a bigger melatonin release when your body's core temperature is lower. Um, it's one of the reasons why kind of like the perfect sleep temp for most human beings is somewhere between 65 and 69 degrees for the temperature of the room. And so if you finish up a workout in the evening and like your body's all hot and you go to bed and you're, you're a little bit heated up, um, you're not going to sleep as well than you would if you had taken a cold shower. So it can help for, with that respect too. Um, you know, like Tim Ferriss talks about this in his book, four hour body. I have yet to see any research behind it. And, you know, I, I, I haven't noticed it too much myself, but he swears that if you take a cold shower, like two hours before sex, that you have better sex and a better orgasm. So, you know, that there, there's another one to, to try out and experiment with. I, but, I thought that was the opposite effect. I thought <laughs> if you, if you were yeah. horny, you're supposed to go take a cold shower. A <laughs> shrinkage. Um, <laughs> no I, I i suppose i would hypothesize that it's because of that release of nitric oxide um, or the upregulation of the nitric oxide synthase so i could theoretically see how that would work um, but yeah i mean like to, like doing it after workout like it's it's not going to massively enhance the benefits of your workout but you know it might help with sleep a little bit and then for me it just helps me feel better after workout like i don't i don't like putting on my t-shirt and in my pants after workout and feel like i'm still sweating you know, mm-hmm. and and so it helps with that. It also helps if you got to go to work and you just want to kind of shut down the the sweating just from like a, a, a hygienic standpoint and not be the uh, the pig pen in the office.
1: Um, Don, did you have a question? Because I wanted to talk about food. Oh, <laughs> you
4: you're hungry, Faith? Yeah. For for your athletes, Ben,
2: have you seen uh, measurable athletic performance, or for yourself, because of this of this
4: um, procedure, or? You know, thermogenesis. It, it, it's really a, a clustered effect. So I do all sorts of things to keep my body's metabolism up and kind of keep my body guessing and kind of engage in, in um, what a really good author named Nassim Tlaib refers to as anti-fragility. And what anti-fragility means is you try to keep yourself from just getting too comfortable during the day. And it's almost like for those of us living in, a, in an industrial or a post-industrial era where, you know, like me, like I'm working on a computer all day and I'm in my house and I've got artificial lights and I've got, you know, all these creature comforts. It's like you almost try and give your body a little bit of that stimulus that it would normally have gotten in a more ancestral format if you were like a hunter, gatherer, warrior. So, like, I use a standing workstation. I take cold showers. I've got a, a pull-up bar in the door of my office that I do some pull-ups on whenever I walk underneath that door. I've got all these little things that I that I do throughout the day, um, and uh, that that keep my body in what I call like an ancestral athlete mode, where I'm always kind of moving and shaking and and keeping things things you know guessing, throwing constant curveballs at my body. Now I can't take any single one of those things and point to some long-term research study or or, you know, good data that says that that like standing on your feet all day is going to make you a better Ironman triathlete. But I can tell you right now that I got to do a heck of a lot less exercise when I'm doing things like cold thermogenesis, when I'm doing things like, you know, 50 pull-ups here and there by the end of the day, when I'm doing things like spending six hours a day on my feet. It's like you build this base endurance just through life, and then, you know, the the cherry on, on top – of the uh, the cupcake or the, the icing on the cake is that you do a workout at the end of the day or maybe at the beginning of the day, but it can be a lot shorter than what you would normally have to do, just because you're kind of like putting work into your body all day long. So, you know, that, that's my hack. I only I only actually formally trained eight hours a week for Ironman, but the rest of my life was spent, you know, just kind of you know, staying active throughout the day.
2: I like your philosophy. It's more like a life training versus uh, just training when you're training. You're actually living your lifestyle and making choices in a way that prepares you for your, your athletic event, not just uh, from you know, 10 to 12, I'm going to go out for my workout. And the rest of the time, I'm going to put myself in, in creature comforts
4: mode. Yeah, Tim Noakes talks about this in his book Waterlogged about how human beings are really built from a biological standpoint to be incredible endurance machines. And we can outrun just about any creature on the face of the planet. Endurance is not a weak skill in the human body. It's something that we're inherently very good at. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense to be dumping a lot of your marathon or your Ironman or your endurance training time into lots of of long slow efforts when in fact you should be able to simulate a long slow effort just through your day-to-day life and then you add in the stuff that you suck at that human beings are bad at as part of the extra workouts like speed workouts intervals strength power balance posture stuff like that so that that's kind of kind of my whole philosophy of of training. And fortunately, it also frees up a lot of time for hanging out with my kids and doing extra things like, you know, cooking and playing guitar and, you know, basically pursuing other skills and being able to engage in, in, you know, a a career and, and, you know, doing a lot of the things I wouldn't be able to do if I were, say, having to train two hours a day.
1: What if I suck at swim, bike, run?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hit the trail. <laughs> we might have to take her back off your team then.
0: Yeah, so be- be,
4: become a trail runner. There
2: you
0: go. <laughs> so, you know, you, you this whole theory you discuss in one of your uh, uh, podcasts uh, uh, called Unconventional Ways to Burn Fat, you mentioned grease the groove is what you coined. I don't know if you stole that or if you came up with that. Um, but you talk about just silly Easy things that you can do all day. You mentioned three um, uh, examples. You know, doing uh, twenty bodyweight squats every time you have to go to the bathroom, or do twenty-five jumping jacks every hour while you're sitting at work. Or I think you mentioned on the podcast every time you leave your office, you have to do ten pull-ups in the with the bar in the doorway. I mean, just silly things like that, or doing uh, you know a half a dozen push-ups during commercial breaks on TV.
4: Yeah. Uh, Or even like, like yoga. Like I, I don't take my time to go and do yoga class every week, but like I do 10 minutes of yoga every morning, like 365 days a year. So I get, you know, 3,650 minutes of yoga in every single year, but I never step foot into a yoga class at the gym. It's just like little bit by bit throughout the day. So I, I think
0: that's a great, uh, I mean, that was one of the nuggets I got out of the dozen podcasts uh, that I listened to, um, you know, I just need to do some some small things that will, I think, overall cumulatively make me a better athlete.
2: We we talked to to Phil Maffetone. He said the same thing. He has yeah. a, a barbell that's sitting over on the floor, and on occasion, he goes over there and moves it around. Mark Kukuzola yeah. does does uh,
0: uh, curls. Cur- the
4: girls?
2: Cur- he does curls when he's making
4: eggs for his kids in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and here's here's two other things, and this would require like purchasing equipment, but like. Um, We talked about cold thermogenesis. There's a vest made by coolfatburner.com where you can actually stay cold like for 40 to 60 minutes if you wanted to while you're, you know, whatever, like writing an article or or banging out some emails or talking on the phone. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just this vest that you wear. The other thing that you can do, and I'll do this sometimes when I'm traveling, I'll do it when I go for a walk with my kids, is I've got a 50-pound weight vest. And I'll just put that on. And like – you know, let's say you don't have time to work out during the day because you, um, you're, you're on kid duty, you know, which, which happens to me sometimes. And, you know, so I'll just take my kids on a hike and I'll normally a uh, hike with my kids would not be that hard. It'd be like, I would never feel like that counts, you know, per se as a workout, but I'll put on that weighted vest and all of a sudden it's like, you know, I'm huffing and puffing, keeping up with my kids. And yeah, I mean, there's like little things that you can do, little, you know, whatever you want to call them, hacks or whatever, to, mm-hmm. to make things harder. Um, I also will sometimes keep my my elevation training mask in my pocket, and that, like, it get, it has a hypoxic effect, so it simulates 18,000 feet of altitude, and you put that on, it's like you're breathing through a straw, and that's that's another trick you can use when you're, like, you know, whatever. Let's say you got to take the dog for a walk. You put on that mask, and all of a sudden, a walk for a dog becomes, like, a struggle to stay alive.
1: And yeah. for those uh, money-conscious people, just put a plastic bag over your head. And, uh, Come on, face,
4: or just like put a straw in your mouth.
2: Right, <laughs> perfect. I've never heard of this mask. I need one of these masks. Really? Have you have you tried I'll one? I'll get faith? you a mask,
1: John. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
4: they're they're pretty cool. Like like it's not true elevation. It doesn't actually reduce the partial pressure of oxygen in the air that you're breathing. Yeah. But it does like you'll feel like you've grown a third lung when you take it off. Like it does, but really, truly make breathing hard. I also like I, I had to go down to LA. So whenever I travel and I know I'm going to a town that's busy where I'm gonna be stuck in traffic, I bring my power lung, which is this other device that you can just like keep in your glove box or in your bag, and it's <laughs> resisted breathing. So I like I was stuck in traffic in LA for like it was almost three hours. So what I do is I have this rule. Every time I go by an exit, which takes like 10 minutes for every exit, I got to take out my power lung and do 10 breaths, three seconds in, three seconds out. And so a two- or three-hour drive turns into like this awesome workout for your core and your lungs. And so you're building your VO2 max and your oxygen utilization as you're driving. And, you know, it's just another example of that kind of concept of greasing the groove you know i
0: i'm I'm gonna put you on the spot I drive a lot with my work um where you know I could yesterday I was on the road for probably six hours during the entire day. What are some other driving um examples of how you can exercise while you're driving
4: butt squeezes <laughs> um like that power lung works pretty well. When I'm on a road road trip, I just stop at rest stops and you know do like a hundred jumping jacks and then front swings and leg swings and back swings. Um, when you're actually sitting in the car though, it's pretty tough. So that you've got that power lung, you've got isometric exercises, you've also got electrical muscle stimulation, so you can get like an EMS unit off of like Amazon. You can get a Mark Pro makes a good model. Uh, Com- do those actually Compex work? Complex make a good model. They do. I actually use those for my Ironman training. So it can it can build up lactic acid in the muscle and increase your recruitment of motor neurons. So, like, let's say you you are supposed to go on a five-hour ride for training for Ironman, let's say. But you don't have time to go for a five-hour ride. You got a busy day, whatever. So what you do is you get out one of these EMS units and you just put yourself through a super heavy electrical muscle stimulation workout for about 20 minutes. And then you go out and you just hammer for about an hour and a half and you can simulate the effects of a very long ride doing something like that because you upregulate motor neuron activation and pre-fatigue the muscles and it has this huge training effect. You go out just loaded up with lactic acid and fatigue muscles and, and it makes the workout so much more effective. Um, this, this is a trick I learned from a guy who trains NFL football players using primarily electrical muscle stimulation. Um, his name is Jay Schroeder, and he actually combines electrical muscle stimulation with what he calls extreme isometrics. So an example of that is you get one of these electrical muscle stimulation units, and I'm literally talking about like the as-seen-on-TV give-you-a-six-pack abs, you know, like <laughs> cheesy ones. I, I've seen some of those late-night TV. Yeah, Yeah, and I thought they were a complete joke until I started using it, and it's like, wow, you actually feel like you've lifted weights after you finish it. I mean, it it can simulate the effects of a 600-pound squat, like a good EMS unit. So we're not talking about like a little bit of of a shock here and there. So Mm -hmm. what you can do is this extreme isometric. So you could get into, let's say, like a wall squat where you're just sitting against the wall for like, let's say, five minutes. But you get into that wall squat position and you put the EMS patches on, say, your quads and or your hamstrings. And you do electrical muscle stimulation while you hold that isometric and what happens is when you hold an isometric position like where you're not moving you build up lactic acid and when you put EMS on top of that you build up even more lactic acid so you vastly increase the amount of lactic acid buffering enzymes that you have in the muscle and it's a way to kind of kind of hack your way into being able to buffer lactic acid more efficiently without doing that by going out and like you know running for 90 minutes or cycling for 5 hours or whatever so yeah those actually do work, and you know the we got into this conversation, you can use them in a car, so hmm. you know, that that'd be another way that you, that you could kind of exercise in a car
1: I want to get one. I don't like riding for five hours.
0: The reason yeah. why you would like one is you turned turn it up to Max just to feel the pain. <laughs> she, she
4: likes pain, Ben. Your, your teammate well, likes you gotta, pain. you got to be careful because um, they they can cause skin burns. Rabdo. There's only one. Yeah. Like, too. If, if you go r- with a really high intensity, the only model that won't cause skin burns is called an, an ARP wave, um, and that unit costs about $8,000. So oh. <laughs> the the cheaper ones you got to be careful with just because if you really jack them up, You'll get skin burns, and Mm. so that can—they don't hurt, but they can be embarrassing, like red marks.
1: Hmm. I know embarrassment. I'm I'm okay with embarrassment. Let's uh, (laughs) let's let's transition a little bit to fasting, if you don't mind. Um, talk about talk about the idea, the concept behind fasting. What you do? I mean, because I know there's intermittent fasting in terms of doing it every day. You go to bed, and then you starve yourself in the morning. Do you work out? or you know, you do it every other day, once a week? What are the different theories behind it?
4: Yeah, so um, the idea behind fasting is that it's a mild stress on the body in the same way that, that like cold is a mild stress on the body. So think about it this way, your cells are always breaking down and repairing themselves and regenerating. Like you know, your, your body is constantly um, almost like becoming a new body through the process of cells turning over. And in science that process is called autophagy. So autophagy is is pre-programmed cell death. So when that happens, your body is basically just cleaning up garbage. So what it does is it gets rid of a lot of the clutter and metabolic byproducts that can build up in cells. And it causes your cells to remodel. Every time that you do that, you bounce back just a little bit stronger. It's a way that your body destroys like microbes and infections. It's a way that it upregulates your immune system. And cell death can even supply you with some energy, like you can get some amino acids and fatty acids as cells break down. So one of the ways that you can massively upregulate this cellular autophagy is through the process of caloric restriction. It's one of the reasons that, that these studies that are done in mice and fruit flies and whatever show that calorie restriction extends lifespan. So you can hack your way into upregulating this pathway by simply not giving yourself food every once in a while. So there's a few different ways you can do it. Like there's all sorts of different forms of fasting out there. And if you look at some of the diets that have shown to be the healthiest diets on the face of the planet, many of them incorporate fasting. Like the traditional Mediterranean diet, you're fasting in many cases more than 100 days out of a year. Um, and you know, that Americans don't like that form of the Mediterranean diet, by the way. (laughs) Um, but you know, Eastern Orthodoxy religions, you know, they live very long. There's fasting involved in that. There's fasting involved in Seventh-day Adventists. Like like there's different populations that, that have fast worked in. So the way that I personally do it is I do a 12 to 16 hour fast every day. So right now in my time zone, it's 11 a.m. And I, I had my smoothie at about 10.30. And prior to that, I hadn't eaten uh, since 8 p.m. last night. So this, this last 24-hour cycle, I got in uh, – what's that come out to? That's uh, 12 hours. That's a half hour fast um, between dinner last night and breakfast this morning. And I do that almost every single day of the week. And what that means is I have a restricted feeding window, right? So so like I eat from right around 10 a.m. until around 8 p.m. at night. And that's my feeding window. It's a you know, 12-ish hour feeding window and then I have that fasting window. And for me, that's very sustainable. Like I can do that and frankly, most of the fasting occurs while you're asleep anyways. So it's pretty easy. Um, I have some people who I train for whom that's not doable. They got to get up in the morning and eat. Uh, they feel stressed out when they don't eat. Um, in women, sometimes uh, it can cause a lot of stress. Guys, um, I'm not trying to be sexist or anything here, but guys tend to do better on calorie restriction. I suspect it's because we're hardwired to hunt, gather, you know, that kind of thing. Like, like head out while the while the women stay at home and stuff their faces. We're um, used to doing without. <laughs> let's just let's just, yeah, just tell like, like, it like is. that kind of thing. And, <laughs> So um what I find with women is that a lot of times it tends to be more sustainable from like a hormonal health standpoint to do about once every 2 weeks to once every 4 weeks just a single 24-hour fast where you go from like Saturday after lunch until Sunday after lunch without eating. And during that period of time you can still do like, you know, tea Coffee. Um, you know, you could even do like some stuff like like you know kombucha and some of the stuff that doesn't have calories in it, but still tastes. You could do um, greens capsules, so you get some nutrients coming in. You could even do amino acids. Some people say bulletproof coffee that that high fat coffee stuff counts. I don't think it does because it's like a thousand calories in a cup. Um, but you know that the, that's kind of the idea behind fasting and, and intermittent fasting windows. Probably the single most comprehensive resource on all the different varieties of fasts out there is a free ebook you can get online. Written by uh, John Berardi, who's also a nutritionist. He he works for uh, Precision Nutrition, is who I think he's with. And if you were to do a search for for John Berardi fasting ebook or whatever, you'd you'd come across his thing. But you know that, that's the way I advise most of the clients and athletes who I train to do is is, is a twelve to sixteen hour fast every day. And then um, for for some of the women I work with, it's just a twenty four hour fast um, once every or one one to two times every month. Um, and that's it. And it has a, a really cool effect, not just on that whole you know, longevity thing because honestly, that's kind of a pie in the sky. Um, it's a hard thing to think about. It's, you know, when, when you're craving, um, you know, whatever, when, when you wake up and, and you smell the bacon and eggs cooking and you're craving that meal, it's hard to think about not eating that meal because you want to live to be 74 instead of 70. Um, <laughs> it's easier to think about it this way. It turns your body into a fat-burning machine. Because you learn how to utilize fatty acids extremely efficiently efficiently. So that helps you with weight loss, but it also helps you if you're an endurance athlete, learning how to tap into fatty acids efficiently, learning how to not rely on blood sugar or on exogenous consumed sugars as your primary source of fuel. That's a huge metabolic hack for an yeah. endurance athlete. And like for yeah. me, I can go hours for a bike ride now that I I know how to fast with, without eating anything. You know, just take some water out with you.
2: Hey, Ben, that, that piggybacks right on the last podcast we had with uh, Sonny Blende, a nutritionist, that, that talked about the you know developing enzymes, fat-burning, fat-burning enzymes. enzymes within within each cell, and you really don't develop them unless you put a, a demand on it. And so you, your body really needs to look for an alternative source, and if you're always just dumping in simple sugars, it's not going to develop that.
4: It's yeah, not- unless unless you start to use this new hack that's come out, and that is to consume liquid ketones. So ketones mm-hmm. are a byproduct. Bi- product of fatty acid utilization, meaning that when you burn fats, you produce these, these ketones like beta-hydroxybutyrate and acetoacetate and, and you know, the, these, what are they called, ketone bodies. Um, and up until recently, the only way to really get a lot of ketones produced was to eat a very high-fat diet, uh, massively restrict carbohydrates, and um, you know in, in many cases, go out and do long, fasted workouts, that kind of thing. Um, now you can actually like buy liquid ketones like there's supplement companies now that are selling ketones that you just drink. And so you can dump fatty acids into your body, cause your body to, to burn more fats as a fuel, cause your body to shift into ketone utilization and at the same time not necessarily restrict carbohydrates. So that's kind of interesting. It's, it's not even something I really experimented with much or seen much data come back on in terms of the health effects but you know, there's that.
1: I can't, I can't with the the fasting, especially when I'm high volume training, I can't get past the nausea that is associated with fasting. And I suspect that's a hormone thing that's going on with me. I don't know, but I wake up in the middle of the night when I'm in a heavy training cycle, just nauseous from that, fasting. Uh,
4: some Sometimes in people who have just taken on a fasting protocol, that's a detox because fat cells store toxins. Your number one depot in your body, your depot storage site for toxins, is fat cells. So if you're burning fat because you're not eating as many calories, or perhaps not dumping, you know, constant surges of blood sugar into your body, uh, what can happen is is you get that detox reaction, and um, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you do have to go through a little bit of pain and discomfort to to clean up the body, um, mm-hmm. and. You know that that's one of those things where, you know, if it if it truly is a detox, sometimes you just got to get through it, and that can be tough. So yeah, I mean, like things can help with that, like peppermint and ginger and um, you know cardamom and fennel and things like that can help out with with nausea. But you know, ultimately, sometimes when you got a detox, it's kind of like you know going through the pain to get rid of some of the some of the stuff that you've done to your body over the years.
2: Hmm. You you're a successful faster obviously by by what you've told us did have you found that it was that it's easier when you start it's it's going to be a challenge do you find it's easier as you work at it so, Somewhat somewhat like training you know in the beginning running was hard and then pretty soon you become accomplished at it and it's not a big deal have you found that that uh, it wasn't always as challenging as it was yeah. in the
4: beginning yeah what what you'll find is that it typically takes anywhere from about one to three years to build up mitochondrial density, meaning that you actually generate enough mitochondria to where you're able to burn fat and create ATP at a very high rate burning fat to where normally you you wouldn't be able to do that. And it's a long process. The weird thing is like all kids, babies start off drinking breast milk high-fat breast milk in a full state of fatty acid utilization with a high amount of ketone circulating in their bloodstream. And then we take kids and we put them onto applesauce and you know Cheerios and goldfish and all this jazz and, and shift them into sugar-burning machines. And the sad thing is we could probably you know not ever have to go through that uncomfortable transition if we were to either live in a culture that regularly incorporated fasting you know, for, from a either a, a religious or a cultural standpoint, you know, from the time that, that kids were an early age, or else had a, a culture that was less reliant upon carbohydrates due to primarily government subsidy of wheat and corn. So, you know, that's that's kind of open up a whole new can of worms. But ultimately, you know, it, this stuff shouldn't be uncomfortable, but it is because of our culture.
0: Is there a benefit to switching up? how and when you fast and the duration. So like right now you say that you know every, every day you quit eating at 8 p.m. and start eating at 10 a.m. Do you, do you ever th- uh, switch that around so that you do a 24-hour fast or maybe tomorrow you, you don't eat during the day?
4: Yeah, technically when we're talking about hormesis and exposing the body to stimuli that is uncomfortable or new for it, that would be prudent or that would potentially give you benefit over and above simply doing the same type of fasting every day. But unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, you know humans do very well sometimes when it comes to sustainability of certain positive lifestyle patterns by making those positive lifestyle patterns some kind of, of habitual experience that's easy to maintain. So for me, it's easy to maintain from just like a social life, work, family standpoint, that 12 to 16-hour fast. All it means is I don't have breakfast with my family. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like we have lunch together. We have dinner together, you know, everything. Like, like for me, that's socially sustainable. Once I start to throw in 24-hour fasts here and there and, you know, like all that kind of stuff, it just, it just starts to mess with things to the point where I could see fasting becoming unsustainable for me just because it becomes too complex.
0: I see.
2: Hey, can we, can we hit on breathing a little bit? I see that's one of uh, a podcast and a subject that you've talked about in the past. How can monitoring or working on our breathing make
4: us better athletes? You know, the, your entire nervous system is based around your breathing patterns. So your sympathetic fight-or-flight nervous system is activated once you, become, once you begin mouth-breathing like deep mouth breathing or shallow chest breathing. Both of those can increase cortisol. They can increase your your fight and flight response. Um, diaphragmatic nasal breathing from within your belly actually decreases cortisol and enhances your your parasympathetic nervous system activation, kind of like your rest and digest, and also your your activation of more relaxing alpha brain waves. So when you're exercising, It actually behooves you to, as much as possible, engage in rhythmic nasal breathing similar to what you would be encouraged to do if you were, say, in a yoga class. You know, where they're like, breathe in and do this, breathe out and do that, so on and so forth. So an example of how you can accomplish that is, say, like a runner would be, first of all, you only mouth breathe when you get to the really, really intense stuff, like the steep hill climbs or – the very hard tempo rates okay, where, you, where you simply just can't get enough oxygen in through your nasal passages. Now, uh, other than that, you actually breathe through your nose. Now, the cool thing about breathing through your nose is it warms the air, it moistens the air, it filters the air, um, it, it, it cycles the air in almost like a turbine way so that you get more oxygen released when the air actually hits your lungs. So there's some cool things that happen when you engage in nasal breathing. So you try and nasal breathe as much as possible when you're, when you're running or when you're cycling, and you also try and make it rhythmic. And what I mean by rhythmic breathing is you would, for example, breathe one deep breath in for every three foot strikes and then one breath out for every two foot strikes. So it would be, you know, strike, 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 would be breathe in, strike, strike, would be breathe out. When you do that, what happens is you are breathing out less than you are breathing in during, say, a run. So not only do you become more oxygenated, but you also avoid side stitches and organ jarring because every time you exhale, your diaphragm is going to change shape to the extent that you're going to put more stress on the organs during an exhalation than during an inhalation, especially if your foot is striking the ground during an exhalation. So deep nasal breathing in a rhythmic way that involves I, – I, when I'm racing or I'm training, I usually either use a 3-2 breathing pattern or use a 2-1 breathing pattern. When I'm going faster, I use a 2-1 breathing pattern, meaning breathe in for two foot strikes, breathe out for one foot strike. In for is two, a, out for one.
1: Is a foot strike right-left or right-right? A, a,
4: a foot strike would be uh, any time a foot hits the ground, whether okay. your right foot or your left foot. Now, okay. there's two resources that I would point folks to to learn more about this. Um, number one would be a book called um, Breathing on Air by bud Coates, that one was produced by runner's world and that teaches you how to rhythmic breathe really efficiently now they don't talk about nasal breathing much in that book if you want to if you want to tap into the nasal breathing component then read uh, a book by john Duyard that's i don't even remember how to spell his name and i'm looking his book i interviewed him on my podcast i think it's called Man, I'm I'm blanking on it now. The name of his book. We'll anyways, be able to find it's it. John Duard. He's he he's got the Life Spa in Colorado. Excellent book. He used to be a professional triathlete and he wrote a book about how well, not this isn't what the entire book is about, but part of it is about how nasal breathing enhances the or, or changes the nervous system activation to the sense where you cre- can create less cortisol when you're exercising if you engage in the right type of, of nasal breathing. So that's a really good book too. You put those two books together and it's really good. I also, over on bengreenfieldfitness.com, if you go over there and you do a search for breathing, I've got an article where I show you how you can combine rhythmic breathing with deep nasal breathing to 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 cause that lower cortisol release when you're exercising and and what it does in a nutshell is you finish up, say a run and you literally feel like you have just let's say you go up for a sixty minute run, you get back and you're just like relaxed, you got this runner's high that's way bigger than what you would normally have, and you feel like you've just done this like deep restorative relaxing yoga session. It's really i'm weird.
1: always I'm always looking to increase my high
4: yeah with <laughs> running,
1: yeah with running plus oh,
4: faith. Plus, like for me, runs go by super fast because you're just focusing on the breathing and the counting, and it's just like um, you almost get into this zone. So
2: far out, fantastic, Ben. <laughs> hey, um, in, in, the, in the closing minutes we have, give us a give us a couple uh, thoughts on fidgeting as a as a weight loss strategy
4: (laughs) fidgeting actually does burn calories they've they've done studies on this the people who fidget more tend to be skinnier and i don't know what came first the chicken or the egg and you know if like skinny people are hardwired to fidget more or what (laughs) but uh fidgeting does burn calories and it's amazing like chewing gum burns calories um Clicking a mouse, they did a study in Japan. Clicking a mouse burns one calorie. Isn't that crazy? So you could like you could like tap your feet, tap your fingers, kind of move your body, shake your head, do head circles, shrug your shoulders. Um, I mean, like, heck, like the whole time we've been talking, I am in a standing position, like shifting side to side. I'm like doing heel to butt lifts, I'm like, you know, shrugging my shoulders. Um, you know, and I probably just over the course of our conversation burnt you know, 150 more calories than I would have burnt if I were sitting in a chair, plus there was zero low stress on my back, you know, the the whole time. So uh, – uh- you know, full
2: full circle back to where we started the podcast, and and you know, passing through the doorway and and doing a pull up or dropping down and doing some some push ups at, at certain intervals. Those are just strategies. By the end of the day, you've got a number of calories there and an uh, improved fitness level.
0: I think I'm going to start dancing when I'm uh, driving down the freeway. Just kind of start, <laughs> yeah, head bobbing. Yeah, do
2: that with your uh,
0: with little, your put a little queen with your mask, on, queen on, and do a little head bobbing. <laughs>
4: I love it. I
0: love it. <laughs> so so Ben um you know we've we've mentioned a lot of resources that are out there. Um we'll we'll link a lot of those to the um podcast description. You are a coach. How does someone if they listen to this podcast and they are going, "Okay, Ben gets me. I want I want him as a coach. How do they reach out and employ you?"
4: Um I have a I have a wait list of a few hundred people right now for coaching. <laughs> <laughs> I have a team of coaches that I've trained though. Um, okay. I, I have a twelve month curriculum that I put all my coaches through where they learn everything there is to know about performance, recovery, digestion hormone optimization, brain, sleep, everything. it's called the superhuman coach network. So once someone comes out of that, they actually do have the ability to be able to, to coach for me if they want. And and it's the same as being coached by me, really. I mean like, and I audit their programs and I go in every once in a while to see how the athletes are doing. And all the athletes who coach with them get access to a forum where I go in and answer questions. Um, Most of my athletes are, uh, are, are fairly high end. Like I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like most most athletes who I'm working with are are kind of like higher end CEOs who want the full on done for you program, and it's it's about three to four k a month um, for that. I mean, and I know that there are some people that that like that kind of thing, but you know it's it's kind of like a higher income kind of program. But um, most most of the coaches who are working for me and utilizing you know my system, you know it's it's like a two hundred to four hundred dollar a month type of program. And you can read all the details about, you know, all those kind of coaching programs and, um, you know, consulting. I do phone consults and stuff like that. And, and all of that is over at pacificfit.net. Got it. Well, thanks so much for spending the time with us today. Thank ben. you.
2: We'll uh, definitely uh, get people directed based on our social media outlets so they can find and read more about you. I encourage you guys to check out these podcasts. Uh, fantastic information on there. I started listening and, and I just kept going to the next one. So good stuff.
4: Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on, you guys. I, I really appreciate it. And um, I, I don't know if Faith ever actually ended up being on my side. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, she, she,
2: but, she, she is on your side because she's over here uh, breathing deep and clenching her butt cheeks. So. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later, Ben. Thanks, Ben. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay, so uh,
0: that was good. I think uh, what I need to do now what, is what's that, Scott? Is go grab a dictionary <laughs> and re-listen to this podcast, because he said more words that I did not know the meaning of uh, than probably any other podcast. I mean, Cukazella usually throws out some big words, and Sock Doc, and Phil Maffetone. But uh, there were some big words on this uh, podcast. It's a
2: big word podcast, Scott. I, I look forward to seeing your
0: description. <laughs> it, may, it may be Ben Greenfield, big word guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely a, a lot to learn and a lot to think about. I'm, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm motivated to get a chin-up bar in my doorway. And start doing some of these little things. Um, I'm gonna. I'm, I sit at a desk not often, but uh, frequently
2: enough that I'm gonna see about a stand up workstation. It, it well, a lot of people are going that direction. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be a chin up bar. It can be a push up. It can be a set up. It can be spending some time jumping on jumping a, jacks. A, yeah. It can be a, a a Swiss ball, the the big uh, exercise balls, uh-huh. and getting on there and doing some core strength just. Just putting training at in different intervals into the day. You know, as he said, how many, how many hours of um, not Pilates, yoga, yeah. does he have in a given year? And he doesn't get in the car, wait at the stoplight, go through the door, greet. He's just full on. That time is condensed and very efficient. I think in the, the one podcast I listened to, he said that during a given
0: day, he probably does like 200 chin ups, hmm. but they're only like 10 at a time.
2: Yeah. Well so, so that makes that makes it uh um doable Scott. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Heck yeah. Um so
0: go to our website trailrunnernation.com check out uh, other podcasts that are on there. Burn a calorie. Use your mouse. Click. We, we have we have um on good authority that by putting a PEK applying a PEK to your body, to your
2: person Actually helps burn more calories. Well, there's definitely I think measured seven calories just in the process. Oh, the application process. Application <laughs> is seven, and then just carrying it around. And if you
0: use cold water to apply, uh, apply that coca pelli, that's a, a, a form of cold thermogenesis.
2: <laughs> well, Scott, you know the coca pelli, it it, ab- <laughs> it absolutely knew all this stuff long before we did. You know, and, and we're just, we, we just go through the we're process just, we're
0: discovering what the Coca has to offer. It's led the way.
2: <laughs> so pick up some of those, uh,
0: follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, go out and run. Mas.
2: Make up your mind. Decide to walk with me around the lake tonight. Around the lake tonight.